He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your 
kindness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. Everybody, we want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship. Those of you that are here, those of you that may be watching on this, we're going to have a great time in the Lord today because our God is good. He has the victory, and he wants to share it and spread it around with each and every one of his children. So, Father, we give you thanks and praise that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, and we can obtain mercy and find grace when we need it, Lord. And we give you the glory and the praise and the honor today. Thank you for confirming your word and displaying your power and moving in our midst. And, Lord, we love you. We're so glad that you called us to yourself. And, Lord, we're here today to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
consecrating yourself to him today so that he can utilize you in any way that he wants to anything he wants to partner with you in and he's put things in us that he wants us to bring out to the world and we worship you in this house this morning lord i pray that we will get a revelation of the meaning of the name of jesus today of the meaning of the power of the holy ghost that dwells within us Oh, Lord, open our eyes. Let us see something we've never seen. Let us hear something we've never heard from your throne in this place today, Lord. And we say that the Holy Spirit is the only spirit that has authority and permission to speak speak in this atmosphere. We worship you in this house, Lord. This is a house of worship. a place of
Now 
church. We've been given authority to use the name of Jesus. Oh, we use the name of Jesus. We use the name of Jesus over every work of the devil. Oh, every blindness. Everything he's put over people's eyes so they don't see the love of God. We speak the name of Jesus over it. In this place, in this world, in our families, Lord. Oh, we worship you, King Jesus. He is the King. Let's 
We're going to speak his name. Hallelujah. When you have financial trouble, what do you say? Jesus. When you have trouble in your body, what do you say? Jesus. When you have trouble in your family, what do you say? Jesus. When you need to be rescued, what do you say? Jesus. When you need to be provided for, what do you say? Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you need help, what do you say? Jesus. When you need wisdom, what do you say? Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus. You know, when Jesus would walk into a place, devils would freak out. Yeah. Ah, I know who you are. <laughs> right? They said, don't torment yes. us. Yes. Hallelujah. And he would just say, hold your peace. They couldn't talk anymore. Praise yes. the Lord. We have access to the greatest, most powerful, most elevated, the highest name in the universe. Yes. It's the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. And he has given us authority to speak yes. his name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we're grateful Thank you, Jesus. for the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The name which you exalted above every other name. It's at the name of Jesus that every other name will bow. I call sickness to bow to Jesus. I call the Taliban to bow to Jesus. Hallelujah. I call the United States government to bow to Jesus. Hallelujah. I call our city, Palmyra, and our county, Lebanon County, to bow to the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You can turn around something that's bad in a second. Yes. (laughs) Father, we just commission your angels to go and take care of the Taliban. Once and for all, Father, your angel can do a whole lot more than what we could do, Lord. And we just give you thanks and praise that people will testify of angelic appearances angels to deliver them angels to rescue them angels to direct them through the turmoil and through the trouble in the name of Jesus just like Peter passed through the prison hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you Lord for your name and Father we thank you for speaking to us today the Lord, he is the one who blesses. He empowers you. He enables you. He will bless your bread and your water. And he takes sickness away from you. He is your loving father who cares for you in greater ways than anyone has ever cared for you before. You will not falter 
you will not fail. Just take his hand and you will always prevail. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Well, you may be seated. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't, don't sit yet. We want to pray over the lost. You know, we started this last week. It says salvation through Christ. And if you know someone, could be in your family, could be a co-worker, could be a friend or a neighbor, and they need to be saved. You know, the Bible says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. I want you just to stretch forth your hands. There's names in this container. Father, we are so grateful and thankful that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And Lord, these are people who have not yet had their name written in your book of life. And Lord, we ask the Lord of the harvest that you would send laborers to them. We ask, Father, that you would open their eyes and help them to see that they need a Savior, that they need your help, they need your love. Lord, they need your forgiveness. And Lord, we pray that these in this jar will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord, they will make that confession, they will receive your gift, and they will have eternal life in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Now you can be seated. Hallelujah. Don't our worship team sound good? Glory to God. We have anointed musicians, amen, and singers, and we grow every week. (laughs) <laughs> and, and technicians. And, and, okay, let's just brag a little bit about our team that does the video and the audio back in the sound area and the video area. They are top-notch because we've traveled and we've seen how it's just when you work with technology, you just, things happen. And you just got to know how to solve the problem. And we and, got good teams. And it happens in big churches too. And it doesn't matter. You could be two people alone in a building trying to do a video. And it does stuff as is 2,000 people in a building. So we got a good team. Well, one of the things that we like to do here at VCF is we love to speak the word. So we want to invite you as we make our confession of faith together. Let's make our confession. Our, our God, God is a consuming, consuming fire. He upholds his word, and we worship him alone. The fire of God is his glory that is holy and pure. We respect, honor, and reverence his holy fire. God's fire sets our hearts ablaze with a love that glows, a faith that ignites, and a devotion that consumes. We hate sin with a fierceness that burns, and we rejoice in God with radiating joy. The fire of the Lord will guide us through darkness and cause us to triumph over our enemies. God comes with fire to comfort, encourage, and empower us, and to execute judgment on our foes. There is a fire that has been ignited within us. It burns in our hearts and our bones. We are his flames of fire. We will not let his holy flame go out, but we will keep our lamps full of oil to burn bright for him. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. 
We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. I wanted to say two things. Number one, if you've put someone's name in the jar for prayer for salvation, as we pray for them, the Lord will open up ways that they could now be invited to church. So you want to keep that motion alive. That's what you do in the natural. In the spiritual, we're praying. and What we're doing when we pray, it pushes back darkness. So they have an opportunity to come and hear and see light. Whether they're close by or they're far away, you still want them to find a place of like faith, people of like precious faith, so they can be around light. Because their environment, most likely they're surrounded by darkness. So you want to make sure you keep tabs on them, so to speak, and keep inviting them to church. If they say no, say okay. And the next time you ask them, like you never asked them before, right? The thing about us humans is we seem to get frustrated because we build up things. You know, like, well, I asked them ten times and they told me no. And we take it as rejection. You're not going to save them. (laughs) You're just the conduit to get them to the Savior. Amen? Amen? So you just do it every time like it's brand new, like you never did before. That's what Doug's sister did for him. Mm -hmm. She would ask him all the time. And finally one day he said yes. Amen? And thank God he did because, you know, he wouldn't qualify for me. Amen. Amen. The second thing I wanted to say is a way that we could pray for what is happening in the world today is to speak to the spirits that want to be in power that don't qualify to be over people. Because I'll tell you what, if the land had no people in it, they wouldn't want it. They just don't want the resources in the land. They want the people because the devil wants to control people so he has to raise people up to do his bidding where they can seize the opportunity to control people so yes whatever mistakes were made in strategic moves which there were we could still the way we pray is to tell those demons to sit down and shut up and become powerless through the individuals that have positions. So every person in a position now that is leading a cause to put people in bondage should sit down and shut up because the spirit from which they speak wants to bring death. You understand? We don't want them to die because they're going to go to hell. (laughs) We also have to be strategic because we want to win. Could you imagine the whole Taliban got saved? Yeah. That would be a black eye like a couple whammies to the devil's face. We want them to just shut up and sit down. And we want godly leaders to rise up and lead the nation. That can happen in a Muslim nation. That's how a nation can get turned. We, we have to speak it. We want godly leaders to rise up and to lead the nation. And that's what we should speak as a church. We shouldn't speak, about, oh, let's respect all religion. Yeah, we, <laughs> we respect our God. He ne- they need to get saved. Amen? We don't want them to go to hell. I don't want to respect someone into hell. They need to be taken away from the devil. They're, look at how strong of leaders they are. They turned a whole nation. They took over an entire nation. In a day, pretty much. God can do better. Amen? 
So your prayers is to tell the enemy. We're not speaking to people. We're speaking to the enemy that's operating through people. This is critical. The enemy must sit down and shut up. Not operate. And let God's people rise up. God's people live in that country. They can rise up. God can raise. He's got people there that could lead. And they can rise up and lead. Amen? That's my two things. Yep, you have to engage in a wrestling match. We wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen? And guess what? When they wrestle with us, we we win. We whoop their little (laughs) you-know-what. All right. Anybody? uh, Yeah. Announcements. Hallelujah. The church is awesome. It's been a while since I've been up here. All right. So um, when I did announcements before, I always did some sort of fact, and I'm going to continue that trend. So this morning, I just want to share with you that there are materials called composite materials, which means that they're made up of like two or more weaker materials that form a stronger one when they are combined together. So that's materials like wood, bone, um, Kevlar, like for protective vests, and lots of other things. I think um, they use it in ships as well for the boat hulls, lots of cool things. So I just want to share with you that as Christians, when we hook up with God, that we become stronger than we would be by ourselves. And also, within the body of Christ, when you hook in with others of like-minded faith, you are also stronger. So here at VCF, we provide lots of opportunities for you to build your relationships with others and go deeper with God as well. So on Tuesdays, we have our Air Force, which is at 6 p.m. for our youth and young adults. And Wednesday, we have our Wednesday night refreshing, which starts at 6.30 And then this Saturday, we actually have Barnabas, which starts at 8.30, and that is for the men ages 12 and up. And in two weeks, so two Sundays from now, we have a guest speaker, Andrew Taylor, and his wife, Anne, who will be here. Sundays, obviously, are at 10 a.m. And then on Sunday, September 19th, we are celebrating God's goodness as our pastors will have been here for 19 years. Right? So, what we are asking you all to do for our participation is to send in your testimonies, and you can send them to um, my mom, lisavcf at gmail.com. You can send them in online, you can write them down, send them in an email, um, because we want to celebrate and testify of God's goodness for our pastors. And uh, I want you to know that uh, this past Thursday, this church touched India. Um, I had a uh, pastor contact me through Messenger, who I've never met before. And he invited me to speak to a group of pastors. And so uh, at 10 p.m. our time uh, on Thursday, 7.30 a.m. on Friday their time, um, I preached through a Zoom meeting. Uh, I had to go sentence by sentence because every sentence he would interpret. And, uh, you know, I saw at least 15 to 20 pastors, and there might have even been more uh, who didn't show their uh, self on video. 
But it was a great time. Uh, preached for a little over an hour and a half. And uh, so this church is touching the world. Amen. Amen. And uh, praise the Lord. God is good. And I want to uh, let you know of a, of a new thing that we started last week. It's called Jumpstart Your Journey for Jesus. And for the next uh, nine weeks, uh, pa- Pastor Fiona and I, we're going to be doing a video on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, we're going to take nine topics that will help a person jumpstart their journey with Jesus. Last week, we talked about salvation. This week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's just the basics. But if you want to brush up on the basics, it would be good to watch, uh, listen, and share it. Amen? And uh, it's just designed as an overview to help jumpstart your journey with Jesus. Because we're all on different places in our journey. Uh, We all start at the same place, but we're all on different levels. Amen? And uh, sometimes it's good just to review the basics. You know, um, I've been to a couple of professional uh, athletic games. And do you know what they do before a game? They practice. They hit ground balls. They catch fly balls. They do batting practice. And they run. And guess, guess what? Those are the basics. Right? Even though they're professionals, quote, unquote, they still go over the basics. Amen? So tune into that. You can watch it on Facebook uh, or YouTube, and uh, we'll be doing that uh, after the service today. Also, um, if you're a guy, uh, we want to just invite you to come and uh, take a few minutes after church today, and we just want to start praying for our men's conference that's coming up. And uh, so if you'd like to participate in that, uh, just come see me afterwards, and we're just going to take a few minutes and pray if you'd like to be part of that. Amen? I want to share something with you uh, before we dismiss the children about giving. I mean, got to give you a little nugget, right? If you want to get some nuggets, you've got to have a nugget. So I sow a nugget so you can get more nuggets. Amen? And uh, from 1 Samuel chapter 1, there was a, a woman named Hannah. And Hannah had trouble conceiving. And she wanted a son, you know, and, and her son Elkanah said, hey, baby, aren't I better than 10 sons? She just looked at him, you know. She really wanted a son. <laughs> and um, she was praying. You know, she underwent a lot of persecution and criticism and antagonistic behavior against her from her husband's other wife who had children. Well, anyway, she made this uh, statement in verse 11, 1 Samuel chapter 1. She made a vow saying, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction or the suffering of your maidservant and remember and forget not your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all of the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. And then... Go down to verse 24. Samuel was born. God heard her prayer. And she did an incredible thing. When her son, whom she believed God for, was weaned, probably around three years old, she gave and dedicated him to the Lord. 
and she took him to the house of God to be raised. She sowed a son and reaped a prophet. He not only was a prophet, he started a school for prophets. He not only was a prophet, but he anointed the first king of Israel. Amen. The Bible says that when he spoke, his words were so powerful. But here's what Hannah did in uh, verse 24. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with a three-year-old bull an ephah of flour and a leather bottle of wine to pour over the burnt offering for a sweet fragrance. She's about to give her son, and she's only going to see him once a year. And she brought Samuel to the Lord's house in Shiloh. Although the child was young, then they slaughtered the bull. She offered it to God and brought the child to Eli, who was the priest. Hannah said, oh, my Lord, as surely as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood beside you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my request, which I asked of him. Therefore, I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord and they worshiped the Lord there. Everybody say, and they worshiped. She gave sacrificially. And she worshiped. And she offered other things as well. And then notice what she did after the offering. I'm just going to read three verses of chapter 2. Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices and triumphs in the Lord. Giving does you good. It causes something to take place in your heart. Then she said, my horn or strength is lifted up in the Lord. My mouth is opened wide to speak boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. I'm telling you, she gave her son. She gave a bull. She gave some wine. She gave a flower. And then she gave God praise. Why? Because she knew she didn't lose anything. When you give to God your tithes, offerings, alms, and first fruits, you don't lose. You win. It goes into God's kingdom. He multiplies it and brings it back to you more than what you sowed. Amen. So I said all that to say this. Anytime during the service today you can give, there's uh, envelopes here and over here. Uh, If you want to write a check, make it out to VCF. If you want to mail it in, you can mail it in. If you want to bring it in, you can bring it in. If you want to do it online, you can do it online. You can give in your pajamas. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And if you want to do it with a card, you can do it through our bookstore. Uh, and it, that should cover every one of our lifestyles, right? Yes. So, Father, I thank you for the givers of VCF. I thank you for their generosity, their faithfulness. And I thank you, Lord, for your goodness that pours over them in great abundance. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. All right, kids, are you ready for some kids' life? Kids teaching, glory to God, grow in faith, grow in the knowledge of God. Hallelujah.
Praise the Lord. You know, we live in a um, troubling world today. But you know, God has made it possible for his people to have lasting life and peace. How many would like lasting life and peace? Not just peace for a moment, but peace for a lifetime. Life and peace until you exit this earth. Amen. Is that possible? Is it possible to, for us to have lasting life and peace? Absolutely. It is possible. Amen. Because life and peace comes through Christ Jesus. And today we're going to learn how to have lasting life and peace. Amen. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And this is where we're going to set up Camp Victory today. We're going to camp out in Romans chapter 8 because this thing is chocked full of good stuff. Amen? This is like beets and broccoli and Brussels sprouts all wrapped into one. I mean, this has got so many spiritual nutrients in it. If, if Arnold Schwarzenegger was here today, he'd say, you read this verse and you will not be a girly man. <laughs> I'm here to pump you up. <laughs> I want you to know that every one of us is a spiritual person. Every one of us in this room, we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. Now, our soul comprises of our mind, will, and emotions. All right? But every one of us is a spiritual person. But sometimes people don't always focus on the spiritual side of life. They only focus on the natural side of life. We're natural beings too. But do you realize your body is not you? Your body is the house that you live in. Amen? Because what, what's going to happen when you leave your house? You're still going to exist, right? But your, your house is going to be like this. Right? But the person who lived in that house is still existing. For eternity. And the question is, where is one going to spend eternity? You're either going to spend it in one of two places, right? You're either going to spend it in heaven or spend it in hell, but you've got to make that decision while you're on this earth. While you're in this house, you've got to make a decision for Jesus because if you leave this house, you can't make anything for Jesus. Okay? So Romans 8, starting with verse 1, says, Therefore, now... There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? If you are in Christ Jesus, what does that mean? If Jesus is your Lord, if you called upon Jesus and asked him to come into your life, you are in him. That means you are free from condemnation. There is now no condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus, 
King James says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. What, what way are you walking? When you get up tomorrow, what's more dominant in your thinking? Your body, your flesh, your senses, or the spirit of God? Or spiritual things? Every day, we have choices presented to us to live, act, and respond out of the spirit or the flesh. Right? All right, so aren't you glad that there's no condemnation? Hallelujah. How many has ever heard the story of the stray cat? How many has ever fed a stray cat? You know, if you don't want the stray cat coming around, let me give you a clue. Don't feed it. Because when you feed it, what's going to happen? That cat's going to be coming around. Right? Here, kitty, kitty. You know, that cat's going to be looking for some milk, looking for some food, whatever. If you start feeding it, it's going to keep coming around. And it's going to grow. If you feed your flesh, your flesh is going to grow. If you feed your spirit, your spirit's going to grow. Which one are you feeding more? Just think about that. All right, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Say, I'm free. free. Notice, the law made you free. I thought we were, I thought we were, we don't have the law anymore. No, we have different laws in the kingdom of God. There's still laws, but they're not the laws that Moses wrote on the Ten Commandments. You know, Moses, he was the greatest lawbreaker of all. He broke all Ten Commandments at once. For the law, there is a law of the spirit of life in Christ. There is something that governs your life in Christ. There is something that influences your life in Christ. There is something that directs your life in Christ. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us operate this law and how to function in the kingdom i don't know about you but when i got saved i didn't know how to live in the kingdom i didn't know how to do anything by faith other than call upon jesus i had to learn amen and after serving the lord for several decades i realized man there's still a lot i need to learn amen but you keep on learning don't you you don't stop learning all right so what are you governed by? What are you influenced by? Amen? The law of the spirit of life, it flows through the anointing of Jesus. And it overrides the effects of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life is greater than the law of sin and death. Under the law of sin and death, you were bound to only respond one way. How you felt, how you thought, what you experienced, right? But when you encounter the law of the spirit of life, you have options now. You can respond in a different way to life situations. Amen? You can either complain or rejoice, right? 
okay? This is a phrase, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It speaks of our union with Christ and he becomes operating in us. Who is Christ? He is the anointed one. Does the anointing come with the anointed one? Absolutely. So when you're when you hook up with the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life in Christ, then his law then begins to operate in you and work in you. It begins to function in you. It begins to direct you. Amen. Why? Because this is how we're going to have lasting life and peace. You've got to determine, you've got to decide what's going to control you. Now, we can be controlled by our emotions and our feelings and our senses, or we can be controlled by what God said. And then we have a choice. Okay? So, this, when we connect with the, spirit, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we have perfect spiritual vitality. Anyone who's in Christ, your spirit is just like Jesus. You're as righteous as Jesus. You're as holy as Jesus. Amen. You can do what Jesus did. Why? Because your spirit has been made new. You're a new creature with a new feature. You know, you like new features, don't you? I'm glad that I don't have to get up and turn that turn the channel on the TV. I can sit in my chair and just press a button. That's awesome. As a young boy, my dad would say, hey, Doug, go turn that channel. I said, okay. Is there a better way? Yes, there is. It's called the remote control. Hallelujah. When you connect with the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, you become possessed by the spirit of God. See, before you knew Jesus, you were possessed by something else. But now that you know Jesus, you're possessed by the Spirit of God. Does the Spirit of God have full control over your life? Now, no, let me put it that way. He doesn't control you. He leads you. I like what Jesse Duplantis said. I believe in authority, but I don't believe in control. God's not out to control you. If he were, he'd have made everybody get saved. But he didn't do that, did he? No, because he's not into control, but he is into authority. There's a difference. Hallelujah. So, look at verse 3 in Romans 8. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh... God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the world. There was no way that the flesh was ever capable of doing the, all the law. No way, no how. There was no person on this earth that could have done everything that the law said to do. There was only one. His name was Jesus. So what he did was God disguised himself as a human being. He disguised himself as creation and he destroyed sin as an inside man. Oh my goodness. He became flesh and he 
who knew no sin, he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Because in the garden, we lost our righteousness. But thank God Jesus came and he got it back for us. He condemned sin in the flesh. He left it on the cross. Everything he did on the cross and the resurrection totally and completely destroyed the power of sin. It broke its control. It lost its grip. It couldn't get a hold. When someone comes to Christ, sin can't get a hold of you because you can resist it. You can say no to it. But it all depends on how you think. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Do you? Glory to God. Whether you feel him or not, he's here. It's not by feelings. You don't have to feel anything. There's been lots of times I've prayed for people, felt nothing, but God worked a miracle. Say, it's not about feelings. So stop singing that song. Whoa, whoa, feelings. Right? Don't be singing that song. Yeah, you're going to feel things because God put your feelings in you, but your feelings and your senses and your emotions were never meant to guide you. They're simply indicators. But they're not your guides. The Holy Spirit is your guide. All right? Verse 4. So Jesus condemns sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled where? In us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We have to become spiritually minded. All right. That's going to become apparent here in just a minute. Hallelujah. All right. Verse five. For they that are after the flesh do Mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. What is your mind set on? Well, if your mind is set on the flesh, then how you live your life every day is you live it to please the flesh, to take care of the flesh, to enhance the flesh, to prolong the flesh. You do everything for the flesh. Okay? But if you're spiritually minded, you're taking care of the spirit, but you also take, you know, when you take care of the spirit, you take care of the flesh. It's just you're, you're telling the flesh now there's someone else, there's a new boss. When I met Jesus, the flesh got fired and the Holy Spirit got hired. Come on. You need to tell the flesh you're fired. In other words, the flesh is not qualified now to make decisions. You can't make decisions based on how you feel. Because feelings are, are, like I said, they're not leaders, they're indicators. Okay? Someone say praise the Lord. All right? So what kind of mind do you have? Who is your mind's ally? Your flesh or your spirit? When you want to make things right, do you want to do it with your flesh or do you want to do it through your spirit? 
How did Jesus, Jesus never led a protest, but he overturned the world. How did he do it? He spoke the word of God. And the word of God changed men's minds. You you didn't know Jesus is the best brain surgeon there ever was. He changes minds without any surgical procedure. Glory to God. All right? Where your mind is allied is how you live, think, speak, and act. You're not going to hide who your mind is allied to. It's going to come out in how you live, how you speak, how you act, the choices that you make, how you spend your money, right? Where you go, what you're involved in, who you associate with. Come on. I'm telling you, when someone gets born again, they have been resurrected from spiritual death. It is the greatest miracle that God has ever performed. It's not going through the Red Sea. It's not raising Lazarus from the dead. It's not feeding the thousands with uh, a little boy's lunch. It's getting born again. That is the greatest miracle because that gives way to every other miracle. I was dead. I was lost. But now I'm alive. Now I'm found. See, the reason a person acts according to the flesh is their mind is set on the flesh. You've got to change the setting. If, you, if, if it's too hot in here, make it cooler. If it's too cold in here, make it hotter. We have a thermostat. We can change the setting. You can change what your mind is set on. You're not locked into the flesh. Amen? Amen. You know, I like... Uh, Air Force movies or fighter jet movies, you know, and when they're in a dogfight, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit to lock on the target, right? Because they, they want to shoot a missile. And, and you, you know, you, you've seen the screens. They've got the little, the little thing, the target, right? And, but once that target's locked on, man, they fire that thing and that thing hits the target. We've got to lock our minds on the spirit so that we can hit spiritual things. Hallelujah. And notice what he says in verse 6. To be carnally minded, that's fleshly minded. (laughs) You know what a carnal mind is? That's a meathead. (laughs) Carnal is meat, right? Carnivore, carne in Spanish. If you're carnally minded, you're a meathead. Now, I know that there's no meatheads here today. But this is what the Bible said. To be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is what? All you got to do to have lasting life and peace is to maintain your spiritual mind. Is to set your mind on spiritual things each and every day. Amen? The Bible says the spiritual The spiritual mind is life and peace. The carnal mind, if you're a meathead, you're going to die. (laughs) The flesh mind is death. It will produce death. The wages of sin is what? Death. Death. Separation from God. Separation from your body or separated from God for eternity. Those three types of death. 
right? Physical, spiritual, and eternal. Okay? It focuses on dead thoughts and dead things, and it is not life-giving. <laughs> when you worry, you are being carnally minded. <gasps> Why? You're trying to solve the problem on your own strength. Come on. What does Proverbs 3, 5 says? Trust God with what? All our heart. Cast our cares unto him. Why? Because he cares for us. If you're worrying, you're being carnally minded in that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, when people have problems in life, the problems don't come from the spirit. It comes from the mind. It comes from the soul. When you have a problem with a person, it's because of how that person made you feel. Where does the enemy attack? He can't attack your spirit, but he can attack your mind. How does he do it? Thoughts, ideas, suggestions that go against the word of God. This is all that he can do. Don't eat the fruit of the garden. Okay? The snake comes in. Has God said? Who, who, does, who, who gave the authority to the snake to determine what God said? That should have been a clue right there. You're a snake. You're not God, so shut up. I'll put a, I'll put a on your silence, right? Oh, Lord, thank you. So let me give you some qualities of the flesh based on this passage of Scripture. All right? Verse 3, the flesh weakens the law. That's what verse 3 said, right? You can't keep the law in your own strength. If you try, you will wear yourself out. You weren't designed to do it. It's impossible. The law is simply to let you know how far you need to go. Right? The Bible says the law is a school teacher to see how bad of a sinner you really are. <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank God. Jesus fulfilled the law for us. And we get the benefit of it. All right? So the flesh weakens the law. Jesus condemned the flesh yes. on the tree. He took the sin on his flesh he let the nails pierce his body, which was his flesh, so that the blood could flow. He let the whip break his back open so that the blood could flow. Why? He was redeeming the curse. Jesus redeemed the curse. Every curse that the law brought, Jesus redeemed us from it. Can you say amen? amen. Verse 4. The way of the flesh is guided by worldliness and the sinful nature. This is amplified. Okay? This is why you don't want to be fleshly minded. It's guided by worldliness. Oh, I just want to be like Hollywood. Why? They're fake. You ever see an actor without makeup? Oh, my goodness. You're like, that's that person? Why do you want to be like something that's fake? 
You want to be like the model on the magazine cover. You know how much they touch that picture up? There is no, there's no one on earth that that's that perfect. Come on. A little powder, a little paint to make you look like what you ain't. I like what one of my Bible teachers said, Doc Horton. He was telling this, man, his class was story time. <laughs> I mean, he taught, but it was mostly stories, man. And when he'd get excited, his face would turn red, and he had some skin underneath his chin. It would just vibrate. <laughs> anyway, he told his wife one day they were going to go to the mall. This was back years ago. And he said, Honey, when, you, we, when we go to the mall, I want you to put your dr- best dress on, wear your nicest shoes, put, up your, put on your prettiest makeup, because when I'm walking through the mall, I want people to, to know that she's mine. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. All right, verse 5. These are, these are characteristics of a flesh-minded person. Okay? A flesh mind, it's set on the flesh. It seeks to gratify the body. It's sense ruled, feeling ruled, and emotion led. Was, uh, was Thomas blessed for wanting to touch Jesus' wounds? No. But Jesus led him, didn't he? You know, but, and then after he touched him, he said, my Lord, and my God. But Jesus said, blessed are those who don't see and believe. Right? All right. Characteristics of the flesh. Verse six, to be fleshly minded it is death. It pursues sin. You know, sinners, when they work, they earn their, their wage that they get paid is death. Oh, look, I earned 10 deaths today. That's what sin promises you. People who don't know Jesus have a sin nature. They can't help it. But they can get to know Jesus and get rid of the sin nature. The only way to get rid of the sin nature is to know Jesus. And to know Jesus means you got to live for him. You know, just, God just doesn't want you born again. He wants you to be living for him. He wants you to be doing what... What he does, he wants you to be interested in what he's interested in. Amen? He wants you to be interested in the things he's interested in. If you're not, you have the wrong mindset. Okay? All right? Verse 7 and 8. A fleshly-minded person, they follow sinful pursuits. It's hostile towards God. A fleshly-minded person... Is, is against God. It's hostile. It's, it's opposed to God. That's what the Bible says. All right? It does not submit to God's law since it cannot. It caters to sinful appetites and impulses, and it does not please God. Everybody say hostile. I don't, we don't want a hostile mind against God, do we? But when God says, do this, and you say no, you're being hostile to God. 
You're being dominated by a wrong mindset that's causing you to reject God. You've got to be a fool to reject God. What does the song say? The fool says there is no God. And what does that make God? He makes God laugh. They don't think I exist. <laughs> God gets a kick out of that. Because guess what? There's coming a day when they're going to realize, oh, he existed. When they find themselves on their knees bowing to him. Hey, man. <laughs> All right. The characteristics of the fleshly mind. Verse 9, the flesh is controlled by the sin nature, the old man, it's life B.C., before Christ. Do you know the Bible says when a person sins, you have given yourself over to that sin to be lord over you, to be, to be a slave to. If you give in to adultery, you're becoming a slave to adultery. If you give in to stealing, you're becoming a slave to stealing. That's what the Bible says. Right, Romans 6, you can read it. Amen? It's going to get better. Just chill. All right? And then verse 12, characteristics of the carnal mind. A Christian is not obligated to the flesh. Say, I'm not obligated to the flesh. That's what it says. You're not obligated to the flesh. You don't, you don't owe the flesh a debt. And, and if you don't owe it a debt, it can't request payment. Right. That's good. Say, say, flesh, I'm sorry, my bill's been paid. Glory to God. You're not a debtor to the flesh. You're not obligated to the flesh. All right? You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to do what it says. You don't have to follow its orders. It's not in charge anymore. Don't raise your hand. How many of us have gotten up on a morning when we didn't want to get up? We told our flesh no. Right? We can do it. <laughs> you know, I like what, what Jesse DePlanta said. He said, there were times when I didn't want to do what the devil said because I was too tired. <laughs> The devil said, do this. And he's, I said, no. You can tell the devil no. Amen. He said, there was other times I did what he said. Before he got saved. So whatever your mind is set on controls your life. What, what does the Bible say that we need to do with our minds? Renew it. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. We've got to get new information. Why? New information helps us obey the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You've got to get information from God's word and put it into practice. Now you're obeying the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Glory to God. Okay? Now, let me just give you some examples of this. How many know the story of the prodigal son, Luke 15? He was self-minded. Give me my inheritance now. Okay. Did you know the father gave him his inheritance and didn't even ask what he was going to do, use it for? And what, did, what does the Bible say? He took his money and he went far away. And he spent his money on riotous living. Right? Self-minded. 
What needed to change for him to be able to be restored? His mind had to change. He had a defeated mindset. He had a guilty conscience, right? Because when his money left, his friends left, and all he had was the pigs. But the Bible says something amazing. While he was in a pig pen, while he stunk, while he was filthy dirty, while he wanted to eat what the pig, you got to be bad to eat what a pig eats. I've seen what pigs eat. I don't want to eat what a pig eats. You've got to be in pretty bad shape. Do you realize God let him choose that? No one put him in the pig pen. He put himself there by his choices. Beware, your choices have consequences. The Bible said he came to himself. He had a revelation. He had a different mindset. The father, my servants, my father's servants have it better than me. If I go home and, t- and repent of my sin. See, when he came to himself, he realized his sin. When you realize your sin, that's the first step of changing it. He said, I'm going to go to my father and repent that I have sinned. And I'll just volunteer to be a servant. But how would he know when you make it right with God, when you're in the mind rising, you're not just a servant. You're a son. You're restored with a robe, a ring, sandals, a party, a celebration. Come on, somebody. He would have remained in that pig pen if his mind wouldn't have changed. Herod had a murdering mindset. Anybody that's going to murder babies two years old and younger has a murdering mindset. They got murder on the mind. And when it's, you know, Keith Moore said years ago, he said, God can heal cancer of the brain, but it's hard to heal cancer on the mind. When you're always thinking about it, always talking about it, that's what your mind is set on. Whatever you're constantly talking about, whatever, however you're responding and acting, that's what your mind is set on. Oh, it's Sunday. Oh, but your mind is set on something else. Because it distracts you from where God wants you to be. That's all I'm going to say about that. Amen. How about the rich young ruler? He was materialistic minded. How do I get saved? Jesus said, follow the commandments. The commandments that Jesus listed were six. Only our relationship to man. And, and the rich young ruler, this is Matthew 19. You can look it up. I don't have time to go into it. All right? But I'm telling you the truth. Okay? Anybody can do right with each other, but it's how, how is your relationship with God? You can't get to heaven by treating people good. You can't get to heaven just because you made a decision not, that you're not going to steal. You've got to have a relationship with God. So when Jesus listed the commandments, he listed the six, but he left out four. Honor the Sabbath. Love the Lord your God. 
right? He, he left those out. And the man said, well, I've done all these things. And, and Jesus, you know, he knows how to get to the heart of the matter. It wasn't a surprise what he needed. And Jesus said, okay, why don't you sell all your stuff and give it to the poor and be my disciple? What an offer to be a disciple of the Lord. He could have been with Jesus. He could have followed Jesus. But what happened? The Bible said he walked away how? Sorrowfully. Sad. Why? Because he loved his stuff more than Jesus. He was materialistic minded. When you can't give up your stuff and follow Jesus, that's a problem. How about Mary, Martha's sister, Lazarus' sister in Luke 7? The Bible confirms this as true in John 11. It was Mary who did this. What was Mary's mindset? Her mindset was spiritually minded and loving minded. She found out that Jesus was having dinner at a Pharisee's house. She wasn't invited, but she showed up. How many, how many know you got to be bold about some things? You may not be invited, but you can show up to change the atmosphere. i got to get a miracle. I don't care what else is going on. I'm getting my miracle. you got to have that mentality. That's faith mentality, right? Faith doesn't all, Faith on purpose changes the circumstances. The woman with the issue of blood said, I'm tired of sitting in this house. I'm going to make my way to Jesus, even if I have to just get to his hem of his garment. I'm going to make my way. That's faith. So this Mary, she comes in, and she gets beside Jesus, and she's crying. She's washing his feet with her tears. She's drying it with her hair. She anoints him with a spike nard, a year's wage. Everybody say a year's wage. Think about how much you make in a year, a, one, a whole year's wage. She pours that oil on Jesus. And the Pharisee, the religious leader said, well, if Jesus was a prophet, he would ought to know what kind of woman is doing this to him. Right? And Jesus, he kind of, he, he dealt with the Pharisee's thoughts. What did Jesus say about the gift? Do you realize Mary got saved here? She got saved on credit because Jesus was not yet risen, but she got saved on credit, just like Abraham did. It was credit unto him for righteousness because she, st- she got saved at his feet and she never left his feet. Because when Jesus came to Bethany, where was Mary? She was at his feet listening to what he said. Right? Jesus said... Those who love much are forgiven much. Those who love little are forgiven little. Mary was loving and spiritually minded. She needed to change her situation, so she interrupted a dinner. She gave an incredible sacrificial gift, and that changed her life, and she got to see her brother raised from the grave. Come on. I'm... It sounds to me like Mary made a pretty good investment to me. Yeah. It turned out pretty good for her, right? I mean, she got to see her brother who'd been dead for four days come alive again. That's awesome. But she got born again because she loved much. She, 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 it was because of her mindset. 
Her mindset directed her actions. We got to have a mindset. Joseph was God-minded. Genesis 39, when Potiphar's wife kept pressing him and pressing him and pressing him. I mean, the Bible said he was handsome, you know, and I'm sure that she wasn't ugly. And she set him up. All the servants were gone. No one's in the house. Joseph, (laughs) come and lie with me, honey. And Joseph said, how could I commit this sin against God and your husband? He was God-minded. He knew that if he'd have acted in that way, it would have been against God. So he wasn't going to let himself act that way. And he got his little behind out of there. Except he left his coat. But sometimes, I mean, he was God-minded. And his, his mindset protected him from being a slave to sin. Amen? That would have destroyed his prime ministership. The devil would have had him for lunch if he'd have given in to that opportunity. I mean, everything was, crea- everything was set up for him. No one would have found out except she would have probably told. You know, because that's what the devil does. He, he traps you and then he lies about you. Or he brags about lying about you. So are you seeing the different mindsets? How about Samson? Well, he was sensual minded. He was sensual minded. Anybody that gets hooked up with Delilah, you're sensual minded. You know, he, he went after women just because they look good. Oh, she's pleasing to my sight. And by the way, men are attracted by sight. That's just how God wired us. Amen? Men are microwaves, women are crockpots. But predominantly, mostly. (laughs) How about Achan in Judges 6? He was coveted and greed-minded. They were told not to take any gold or any of the gold, silver, uh, bronze, or iron from Jericho. It was all going to go into the treasury. It was the tithe of the land. It was the first city into the promised land, so it was the tithe. God said, all that stuff's coming to me. Don't touch it. But Achan, he saw this nice robe. He saw the design. He saw that it looked good. He, he, got, ro- he got a robe made of fine linen, you can read it, he, he got 200 shekels of silver and a 50 shekel p- pound of, of a bar, bar of gold. And he hid it in his tent. And that sin affected Israel. When they went out to, against Ai, they got defeated. Actually, 30 men got killed. And Joshua was like, what's going on, God? He said, there's sin in the camp. Covetousness and greed. And Achan, you know, it finally came out that, you know, he did it. And he said, yeah, I I saw it and I wanted it and I took it. And what happened? He, He lost his entire family and all of his stuff. Why? He was greed minded, covetousness minded. 
How about Ruth? Ruth was loyal-minded. She lost her father-in-law. She lost her husband. She lost her brother-in-law. And now her mother-in-law is bitter. But Ruth says, I'm going to stick with this bitter woman. Where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. Where you die, I die. Your God, my God. And Ruth stuck with Naomi. Oh, my goodness, that was a seed that led to the harvest called Boaz. Because Boaz said, I heard how you treated your mother-in-law. And Boaz was the richest landowner of his area. Glory to God. And Ruth became the the great-grandmother of David. Glory to God. Can you say amen? When you're loyal-minded and you stick it through, you stick it out, God will bless you on the end. He will reward you. Joshua was loyal-minded. Man, he he went with Moses up. He went here. He went there. He did what Moses told him to do. He went where Moses told him to go. And what? He became the leader of the nation. Why? He was loyal-minded. Now, let's get to the good stuff. All right? What does it mean... To be spiritually minded, because to be spiritually minded is the only way to have lasting peace and lasting life. How many want peace that lasts forever? You know, I appreciate the manager that I had at Effort National Bank. And one day he talked to me, he said, Doug, he said, I appreciate your calming personality. He said, if this building was on fire, I could just see you saying, quietly exit the building. <laughs> you know, and Fiona will testify to that. When I got, I was in the head-on collision in Sierra Leone, Africa. She was in the pulpit preaching, and I called her later, and I said, hey, honey, how's it going? And uh, I said, God is good. I said, I was in the head-on collision. <laughs> so, so my manager, he appreciated my calming personality. Say, to be spiritually minded is the only way to have lasting life and peace. Say, I'm going to be spiritually minded. Say, flesh, you're fired. Spirit, you're hired. Glory to God. Amen. To be spiritually minded, this is all according to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. You're free from condemnation. Oh, glory to God. The devil can't stick nothing on you. He can't label you. He can't call you something and you become it. You're free from condemnation, glory to God. To be spiritually minded is to be free from condemnation. That means no matter what the devil accuses you, you can just laugh at him because you're not that. Amen? Hallelujah. You're free from guilt and punishment of sin. Because Jesus is in your heart, you're not going to be punished for sin. You've got a ticket to ride out of hell, glory to God. You, hallelujah. You've got, you got a flight on 777. You've got your seat booked, amen. You are not going to hell because you made a choice that you weren't going to go there. Anybody who ended up in hell chose to be there. They chose to reject Jesus. That's the only way you get to hell. If you rejected Jesus, 
Some people, the way they live their Christian life is like they rejected Jesus. Because you know what? When you're spiritually minded, you, de- you develop a habit yes. Yes. to promote spiritual things. Yes. You, you, you develop a habit to engage in spiritual disciplines. Yes. Yes. Everybody say a habit. habit. You know, the law of habit means you do something twice, it becomes easier. Amen? And it only takes 20, 30 days to establish a new habit. If you want to change an old habit and make it into a new one, it only takes you 30 days. 30 days of mind renewal, you can change your habit. You know, we we need to have, instead of habitat for humanity, habitat for the spirituality. Right? We need to to build homes uh, and mindsets for people who think spiritual things. That's what we do here at VCF. We help you think spiritually minded. We teach you the word. Amen? We lay hands on the sick. That's what we do. All right. Qualities and characteristics of the spiritually minded. Lifestyles of the spiritually minded. How many ever used to watch Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? And I'm Robin Leach. And this is Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And I'm Pastor Doug. And this is Lifestyles of the Spiritually Sound. Amen? Glory to God. Verse 2, it abides in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And it is free from the law of sin and death. There's, oh my goodness, your rags have been exchanged for garments of praise. Glory to God. Your, your, your mistakes which ended up in ashes have become something of beauty. All right? Spiritually minded. Verse 4. You live in a spiritual way. You please God and you're guided by God's power. Your goal in life is to please God. God wants you to be a God pleaser. Well, how do I know what God's pleased with? Read the book. <laughs> Read the book. He, he told you what, he's, what pleases him. In Proverbs 6, he told you what he hates. Yeah. Do I know what pleases God? Read the book. Listen to the Holy Spirit. All right, spiritually minded person, verse 5, your mind is set on spiritual things. What he wants, what pleases him, his character, what he wants me to do and have, and the way he wants me to live. I strive to fulfill his will and purpose. A spiritually minded person, you're always checking what the Holy Ghost wants. You're always checking what, what he likes. Amen? Glory to God, you're in constant communication because you're constantly thinking about him. There, there's a, a fellowship there. There's a relationship there. You don't just put the Holy Spirit on the shelf when you go to bed. Right? When you go out to lunch, you don't just get him, a, get him his own table. No, he enjoys lunch with you. He wakes up with you. He, he sleeps with you, amen? He, he, he lives in you. You take him with you wherever you go. So there ought to be constant communication with the Holy Spirit. You can ask him questions, and he'll give you answers. His, his role is to bring you into all truth and to teach you and to guide you, right? All right? Verse 6, the spiritually minded you have life and peace. Oh, that's, that's, I have life and peace. What, you're not getting it. You have it now. You have the peace that passes understanding right now. You have peace like a river right now. You have the shalom of God. Jehovah's shalom is with you. 
That, that means nothing missing, nothing broken. Hallelujah. Spiritually minded, verse 9, God's spirit is in you, and he's the guiding director of your life, and you carry out his orders and his invitations. Hallelujah. Say, Lord, I am yours to command. Hallelujah. All right, verse 10, the spiritually minded, the anointing lives in you. The yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God lives in you. Hallelujah. You have resurrection power. You are alive. Isn't it good to be alive in God? You have resurrection power. You're being renewed and invigorated with divine life. He quickens your mortal body. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. He'll he'll help your body catch up to his plans. Amen? He'll help your body catch up to his plans. And then verses 13 and 14, you live by the power of the Holy Spirit habitually. Well, I just live for God on Sundays and on Wednesdays. No, no, no. You've got to live for God every day. You've got to include God into every area of your life. You've got to take him to work with you. Take him out for ice cream. Amen? Take him to the grocery store. Go with him to the doctor's office. He might have a different report. Whose report are you going to believe? Amen? Take him when you go out and have fun. God likes to have fun. After all, he's our source of joy. I kill, crucify, and mortify and deny myself of succumbing to sinful desires. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up your, you got to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. You got to kill the flesh, right? Paul said, I die daily. Paul said, I keep my body under and bring it into subjection so that I'm not a castaway so that I practice what I preach. Amen? Amen. And then finally, I allow the Holy Spirit to lead me. I know, hear, and obey his voice. I know, hear, and obey his voice. If you are spiritually minded, the Bible guarantees you that you will have lasting life and peace. All you got to do is change the way you think. All you got to do is turn the channel. I mean, my goodness, how is it, how hard is it to change the channel of a TV? When something comes on the screen that you don't want to hear, you don't want to see, change the channel. When a thought comes in your mind that you don't want to hear, you don't want to see, or you don't want to do, change the channel. Click. Oh, I just praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Change it to a rock and praise channel or something. All right, I got to say this. <laughs> Whoo.
When Paul and Silas, Acts 16, they had, they were going to prayer and they heard this lady. These are the servants of the Most High God. They bring you the words of truth. What she was saying was true, but what was motivating her was not. The, that's, this is what's going to happen. When someone says something true, but their motivation is wrong, it's going to sound like, ah, yeah, yeah. it's going to make, the, it's going to like nails on a chalkboard. And Paul, this, the Bible said this occurred for several days. But Paul and Silas, they're God-minded, right? They're listening to the Holy Spirit. Then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit showed Paul that that lady was operating by a spirit of divination. And so when it was revealed to Paul, Paul stopped and turned. And you read the Bible. He spoke directly to that spirit. He said, I have dreamed you to come out of her. That spirit had... No, it couldn't argue. It had to do what Paul said. I drew you to come out in the name of Jesus. That spirit left her. And the, the people that owned her, they, they were no longer getting calls on the 1900 psychic line. They lost money. They lost their income. Right? So they had Paul and Silas. They said, these guys are disrupting our way of life. And they had them thrown in prison. Now, if you were thrown in prison, not only were they thrown in prison, they were beaten. Not only were they, they were thrown in a dark prison. They were thrown in a smelly prison. They were, they were chained like they were criminals. What are you in for, Paul? Uh, I cast out a devil. But they did not have a captive mindset. They did not have a limited mindset. They did not have an unhindered mindset. They didn't have a it's impossible mindset. They had a victory mindset. And in their pain and in their darkness, they decided to praise the Lord. They decided to sing praises to God out loud so everybody heard them. And when God moved because their mindset was towards God, he joined their thoughts. He joined their song. The chains fell off of them. All the other prison doors flung open and the prisoners were too scared to leave and the jailer and his family got saved. When you have a victory mindset, even though the devil thinks he's won, even though the devil thinks he's got you in the corner, he's got you bound, he stopped you, he confined you, you are not confined, you are not beaten, you are not defeated because you've got a mindset of victory and you can call upon the name of the Lord even if you don't feel like it. And that's exactly what they did. And it changed the entire atmosphere of the jail. Now, get this. Who do you think became the pastor of the church at Philippi? It was that warden who got saved. Scholars have said that. I don't know personally if it's true, but it seems good to me. I mean, if you got saved, your life changes. <laughs> Amen? I mean, if you're a warden and you see that kind of prison break, that man was ready to kill himself. And Paul said, don't kill him. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. He's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> he bandaged Paul and Silas. He fed them, and they had revival in their house. Yeah. Yeah. 
Amen. How, how many want revival in your house? You got to change your mindset. You got to quit thinking like you're defeated. You got to quit thinking like you can't. You got to quit thinking like it's impossible. You need to start thinking bigger. Amen. You need to open up your mind and have a spiritual mind towards God. Amen. Nothing is impossible to me. Nothing is impossible to me because I believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, is there anybody here today? You need to change your mindset. You've been, you've, you've had some stinking thinking. I don't care what you've been thinking about. All I want to know is if you want to change your mindset. Amen. The anointing of God can propel you into your future. The anointing of God can propel you into your future. It can take you from that bad mindset and put you right into a good mindset just like that. Amen. So if you want to change your mindset this morning, this is a good opportunity to do it. If you're not born again, change your mind and get born again. If you're not closely walking with the Lord, change your mind and get close to him. If you need healing in your body, change your mind. You're not getting healed. You are the healed. Amen. If you need to change your financial situation, you got to change your financial mind. So if you're here this morning and you need a mind change, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That means you you decide if you want that mind in you or not. God's not going to force you to take his mind. I mean, if you want to live defeated, you live defeated. That's your choice. Celebrate your defeat. I'm going to celebrate victory. Amen. So, come on. I'm serious. If you, need to, if you need to change your mind, I'm not going to ask you what it is. No one's going to know what you're changing. But you're going to get changed today by the anointing. Yeah, yeah. One touch from God is going to make the difference. Amen? If that's you, I just want to invite you up for prayer right now in the name of Jesus. You're just coming to get a different mindset of things. A different perspective. You know, sometimes a change in perspective is all you need to get a victory. You can see things in a different light. Amen? It's amazing. Jesse thought he saw a demon, but it was a raincoat over a vent. (laughs) It's amazing when the light comes in how different it is. Amen? Hallelujah. Are you guys ready for a new mindset? Every one of you that are up here today, you're getting something new. You're going to get a revelation. You're going to get a download from heaven. You're going to get a touch from the Almighty. Amen. Things are going to be different from here on out. Are you guys ready to be different? Right? Hallelujah. Those of you that are here, just be in an attitude of worship and praise for just a couple more minutes. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for those that...